I don't know. You guys know my routine, right? I stand up here, look down for a little bit, and then pray. The nerves never, okay. Um, Shabbat Shalom. So the rabbis will be back on Wednesday, and I'm going to continue on our series in Acts this morning. And our passage of scripture is from Acts chapter 19, and uh, we'll be focusing on verses 1 through 12. So I think I'm going to start at slide 2, Randy. Um, You can follow along. Slide 2. Chapter 19, verse 1. When Apollos was in Corinth, Shaul completed his travels through the inland country and arrived at Ephesus, where he found a few Talmudim. He asked them, did you receive the Ruach HaKodesh when you came to trust? No, they said to him. We have never even heard that there is such a thing as the Ruach HaKodesh. In that case, he said, into what were you immersed? The immersion of Yochanan, they answered. Shaul said, Yochanan practiced an immersion in connection with turning from sin to Adonai. But he told the people to put their trust in the one who would come after him, that is, in Yeshua. On hearing this, they were immersed into the name of the Lord Yeshua. And when Shaul placed his hands on them, the Ruach HaKodesh came upon them, so that they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. In all, there were about twelve of these men. Shaul went into the synagogue, and for three months he spoke out boldly, engaging in dialogue and trying to persuade people about the kingdom of Adonai. But some began hardening themselves and refusing to listen. And when these started defaming the way before the whole synagogue, Shaul withdrew, took the Talmudim with him, and commenced holding dialogue, daily dialogues, in Terenius Yeshiva. This went on for two years, so that everyone, both Jews and Greeks, living in the province of Asia, heard the message about Adonai. God did extraordinary miracles through Shaul. For instance, handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were brought to sick people. They would recover from their ailments, and the evil spirits would leave them. Adonai, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for each person that you have brought here. Uh, For the many who come week after week, I thank you that it's still not an accident that they're here today for this particular message. Uh, For any new people or visitors, we thank you that you have brought them here. And I just pray, Adonai, that you would give me your words to speak uh, through the Ruach, that it would be nothing of me, that I would not be a hindrance, and that you would uh, flow through me freely and uh, convey your heart to each person here today. We just ask that you would help us shake off everything that would um, come to steal the word that you desire. I ask for eager and open hearts on this day to receive your message and for your uh, help and assistance in portraying your truth. In the name of Yeshua, I pray. Amen. The title of today's message is Superhuman, the Supernatural Power of the Ruach. Um, Many of us are accustomed to our everyday fictional comic superheroes, or at least the main ones. I'm not a superhero fan, but I am especially aware of Spider-Man, as most of you guys know, because my son is a Spider-Man freak. If you come to my house, Jeremiah's room is decked out everything Spider-Man. He has a Spider-Man comforter. He has a Spider-Man poster. He has Spider-Man lunchbox and Spider-Man sneakers and Spider-Man shirt and book bags. And everything is all about Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man. He has a Spider-Man costume. He is Spider-Man, and if you really begin to talk to him, he has his own Spider-Man world. Thank goodness Transformers is now his new thing. So being immersed with superhero talk every day of my blessed life with my son and trying to prepare for this message, I started to think, and I realized a lot of the superheroes... Let's talk about the main ones, because I don't know a lot of the superheroes. Josiah does. Josiah actually helped me with a little bit of this message, along with Gary with my scriptures. But many of them actually started off as ordinary people before they became superheroes. So in actuality, we can say that they are sort of superhumans. Plain, regular, ordinary people that were filled with superpowers that they use for the good of people and to fight the evil forces of the world. So, let's make a couple of examples. Peter Parker. When he was in his final year of high school, Peter Parker was touring the science lab of Columbia University. While there, an escaped spider fell upon Peter, biting him. Thus, the DNA strands of the spider were recombined with those of Peter, giving him the strength, speed, and agility of a spider. And thus, Peter Parker became Spider-Man. Peter decided to use his powers to fight crime and help others in need. Next example, Captain America was, in fact, Steve Rogers. He was born during the Depression and grew up a frail youth in a poor family. His father died when he was a child, his mother when he was in his late teens. Horrified by the newsreel footage of the Nazis in Europe, Rogers was inspired to try to enlist in the army. However, because of his frailty and sickness, he was rejected. Overhearing the boy's earnest plea to be accepted, General Chester Phillips of the U.S. Army offered Rogers the opportunity to take part in a special experiment called Operation Rebirth. Rogers agreed and was taken to a secret laboratory in Washington, D.C., where he was introduced to Dr. Abraham Erkshkine, codenamed Professor Reinstein, the operator to the super soldier formula. And after an in-depth process, he became Captain America, where his strength and might was used as a symbol of liberty and justice for the good of the people. And my last example is plain old Bruce Banner. During the experimental detonation of the gamma bomb, scientist Bruce Banner rushes to save a teenager who was driven onto the testing field. Pushing the teen, Rick Jones, into a trench, Banner himself was caught in the blast, absorbing massive amounts of radiation. He awakens later in an infirmary, seemingly unscathed, but that night transformed into what he was later called as the Hulk with mighty powers and superhuman strength. So what is the purpose of all of this silly superhero talk? To drive home a point. We're used to the ideas of um, humans becoming superhuman and superheroes in the fictional world of movies and TVs and comics and maybe the life of a toddler and four-year-old. But the truth is, in reality... We, as Tommy Deem of Yeshua, are called to be superhuman through the supernatural power of the Ruach. You see, Adonai created us as plain, 
ordinary, everyday, regular people. But he designed us to be filled with the supernatural power of the Ruach HaKodesh to use for the good of our people and to stand up against the forces of Hasatan. So let's jump into our scriptures. Just like we're called to be superhuman, the only way that we can do that is through the supernatural power of the Ruach. So we're going to look at four things today and discuss the aspects of the Ruach in the life of believers. And the first point is, the Ruach HaKodesh is an essential aspect to the life of believers. The first thing that we see in this passage, Acts chapter 19, is how essential the Ruach is to the life of believers. Picking up at verse 1 again. While in Apollo, while Apollos was in Corinth, Shaul completed his travels through the inland country and arrived at Ephesus, where he found a few, a few Talmudim. He asked them, Did you receive the Ruach HaKodesh when you came to trust? First thing, he comes upon them. First question that he asks them is, did you receive the Ruach? Very first question. And they say, no, we didn't. We didn't even hear of it. And, well, what were you immersed into? We were immersed into Yochanan. And he goes on to explain, well, that was just an immersion of repentance. But there was more after that. There's the immersion of Yeshua. And even more after that is the infilling of the Ruach. And then he goes on, explains that, and they receive. But again, the first thing that we see, his very first question to them is, do you have the infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh in your life? The fact that that was his first question shows that it was a priority to him to ask those who were believing in Yeshua if they had the infilling of the Ruach. But throughout scripture, there's always a priority placed on the importance of the Ruach in our lives. Luke 24, 48. This is Yeshua himself speaking. You are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Don't do anything else. Stay. Wait until you receive the power. Priority. There was an an essential aspect of receiving the infilling of the Ruach. And Yeshua himself says, wait until you receive it before you attempt to go out. In Acts chapter 2... On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. See, for Yochanan immersed with water, but in a few days you will be immersed with the Ruach. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says, It's not up to you to know the times or the dates the father has set. But you will receive power when the Ruach comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Yeshua was speaking to those who already embraced him as the Messiah. But he was saying, there's something needed in your walk in order to be effective. And it's essential for you to have the power of the Ruach for you to go out. So stay and wait. He says, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive Power from on high. It's essential. 
He understood it to be an essential aspect in the lives of his believers, his followers, in order for them to go out on his behalf. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 14. When Apollos, when the apostles were in Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had accepted the word of Adonai, they sent Kepha and Yochanan to Samaria. Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Ruach, because the Ruach had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized or immersed in the name of Yeshua. Then Kepha and Yochanan placed their hands on them, and they received the Ruach. So here were a group of people that were immersed in the name of Yeshua, but they had not yet received the infilling of the Ruach. And here are Kepha and Yochanan, and they set out specifically to make sure that they were going to receive the infilling of the Ruach. Receiving the infilling of the Ruach is an essential aspect of our lives as believers. You see, the person of the Ruach HaKodesh is our counselor. He is our guide. He is our comforter. But he fills us with the supernatural power to accomplish and achieve great and mighty things for the name of Yeshua. The power to be more than just everyday plain old human Rena or Chris or Christina, but to operate in the supernatural power of God. So that we can radically change the world around us. It won't be done in my flesh. There's nothing inside of me or inside of you that can accomplish what the power of the Ruach operating in our lives will be able to accomplish. And Rav Shaul, coming across these Tamidim, he understood the essential aspect of the Ruach. And his first question was, did you receive? This is not about salvation. Yeshua's Tommy Deem already knew him as the Messiah. The Samaritans in Acts chapter 8 already accepted the word of God. And here in Acts 19, Shaul was interacting with believers already. This is about having an additional essential aspect in our walk with Yeshua so that we are filled with the power to go about and be witnesses for him. Look closely at Acts chapter 19, verse 5. On hearing this, they were immersed in the name of Yeshua. Verse 6. And when Shaul placed his hands on them, the Ruach HaKodesh came upon them, so that they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. These believers only knew the, the immersion of John, and then Shaul immersed them in the name of Yeshua. But you see, it says, and then he placed his hands on them, and they received the infilling of the Ruach. For them, it was almost simultaneous, right? They were immersed in the name of Yeshua, and at the same time, Paul prayed over them, put his hands on them, and they, refi- they received the infilling of the Ruach. For me, it was not the same day. I remember coming to Beth Emanuel, as a spoiled sinner brat. And I remember I started coming a little bit regularly, definitely as a sinner. And I remember the day, I think it was Rabbi Michael who was preaching, and he had asked if anybody wanted to uh, give their heart to the Lord or rededicate their heart. When I was little, my mom tells me I was five when I accepted Yeshua. Every video, I know I say the same stories over, but every video that I have, I'm always talking about Yeshua when I was a little girl. 
but I definitely walked away from that. When I came back, I remember raising my hand um, to rededicate my heart to the Lord at that, at that point. Um, but I did not receive the Ruach then. I think it was several services, if not several months later, that I went up for prayer. So it's not always simultaneous, but it can be. Timing is not important. What's important to know is that there's a different aspect. There's embracing Yeshua as your Messiah, and then there's the infilling with the empowerment of the Ruach HaKodesh. Two separate things that could take place simultaneously. Is everybody following? Nod your heads. Awesome. So the simple point, okay? The person of the Ruach will fill you with power. And here in Acts chapter 19, Rashaul understood that as being essential. And so again, we see the first question he asked was to see if they had received the Ruach and to make sure that they did. The second point is that we need to embrace the Ruach. Chapter 19, still verse 5. On hearing this, they were immersed in the name of the Lord Yeshua. And when Shaul placed his hands on them, the Ruach HaKodesh came upon them. They heard about the Ruach from Shaul. Prior to that, they didn't know, right? What was their response? We, don't even, we haven't even heard that there's a Ruach. So Paul says, there's a Ruach HaKodesh, and that's it. They prayed and received. They embraced him, plain and simple. They heard that there was more to their walk than just the immersion of Yochanan. They heard that there was more to receive, and at that moment, when they heard it, they received prayer. They embraced the truth and the aspect of the Ruach HaKodesh. This is key for us. The Ruach HaKodesh is part of the triune nature of God. And just like Yeshua does not force his way into anybody's life, neither would the Ruach. So just like you had to come on your own, in your own timing, with God probably knocking at your heart and say, okay, Yeshua, I allow you into my life. I choose you to be my Messiah. I, I welcome you into my heart. It's the same with the Ruach. We need to be willing to embrace him as a part of our lives. It's a gift from God. Luke chapter 11, verse 13 if you then, though, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Ruach to those who ask him, to those who want to embrace him? You see, when Rav Shaul told these believers about the Ruach, you know what they said? Let's pray, right? Because they received prayer. You know what they didn't say? They didn't say, ah, that's not for me. Thanks, though. They didn't say, I already believe in Yeshua. I don't need anything else besides that. I have my salvation. I understand. I'm good. They didn't say, oh, I heard about that Ruach and the crazy speaking in tongues and the different languages. That's really not for me. They didn't say, maybe tomorrow or next week or next year, let me get things situated in my life a little bit better. Let me get more comfortable with the idea. Come back in a week. Let me get used to it. They didn't say, I don't need the Ruach. Things have been going great without it. They didn't reject it. They may not have even fully understood it. They went from not even hearing about the Ruach to receiving the Ruach. Who knows if they fully understood it? 
But what they did do is they embraced it. Rav Shaul says, there's the Ruach HaKodesh. Should you receive it? No, we never heard of it. Well, let's pray. Okay. They simply embraced it. And for us, that's key, is to be willing to embrace the Ruach in our lives and not to buck up against it and resist it because maybe it goes a little bit outside of our comfort zone or what we're used to. Or maybe we don't understand that it's a completely Jewish thing and not a Christian or, you know, New Age thing. This, is, this was taking place in Jerusalem. On the Feast of Shavuot, this happened. I read a book one time. And uh, this author was very uncomfortable with the concept of speaking in tongues. Whatever denomination that he was a part of, it wasn't, he wasn't accustomed to it. You know, he wasn't taught it, he didn't like it, but he knew it, it existed and he went to research it. He went to understand the scriptures, he went to talk to people who did speak in tongues and had the power of the Ruach. He actually received prayer and throughout the whole book he was like, I'm a little hesitant. I was back and it was towards the end of the book that he said, when I finally became comfortable and, and eager to want and receive it, he was filled with the power of the Ruach. And that's so key for us because again, the Ruach's not just going to come and force his way into your life whether you like it or not. It's up to us to embrace it. And it's a gift. It's not It's not like, ooh, should I choose? It's a beautiful, awesome, he's a gift in our life and he empowers us. But it's still our choice. The third thing we see, I'm either going too fast or this message is really short because I only have four points and we're already on number three. Oh my, amen. Third thing that we see is the evidence of the Ruach. The evidence of receiving the Ruach is speaking in tongues. Now, sometimes this is an area for people that we start to check out. We get a little uncomfortable. We get defensive or debative. But I'm going to try and make it real simple for us today. And if I don't simplify it for you, Gary, raise your hand. There's Gary. Gary got many phone calls and questions for this message. Gary helped me with all my scriptures for this message. So if there's any other in-depth questions that I don't cover in this message and you want to understand more, go to Gary. I'll try, but Gary's awesome with his scriptures. So throughout the scripture, we see each encounter that people had with the Ruach resulted with the evidence of speaking in tongues, either directly you see, you, you see it in the scripture as directly they spoke in tongues, or it was directly inferred in the evidence of the context, okay? So I'm not going to spend too much time here, but I'll give you guys a couple of examples. In Acts chapter 2, it says they received, oh, the scriptures aren't up there, but in Acts chapter 2, it says the Ruach HaKodesh came, and they spoke in tongues and different languages. It was direct. In Acts chapter 8, it says they received the power of the Ruach and the evidence doesn't say that they spoke in tongues, but there was an evidence that was so clear. Why? Because Simon the sorcerer said, "Uh, I'll pay you for that. Pay you for what? What did he see? What did he see that he was willing to pay that he wanted, right? There was a direct outward sign. He says, I want that and I'm willing to pay money. Why? Because they were speaking in different languages and in tongues. Directly inferring, right, that there was an outward sign that was visible to outside people. 
In Acts chapter 11, I have the scripture here. It's not on the PowerPoint. Verse 15, it says, As I began to speak, the Ruach came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Okay? So here, I think this is Kepha, right? In Acts chapter 11, he's saying, As I began to speak, the Ruach came on them as it came on us in the beginning. What was the beginning? Acts chapter 2. And what happened in Acts chapter 2? They spoke in tongues. And again, here in Acts chapter 19, what happened? Rav laid his hands on, on them, and it says they were filled with the Ruach and spoke in tongues. The scriptures support that when you receive the infilling of the Ruach, that the evidence is speaking in tongues. And the evidence of the power of the person of the Ruach is seen through that language. But it's not the tongues that we seek. Do you get that? Rav Shaul didn't say, let me pray for you so you could speak in tongues. Rav Shaul didn't say, let me pray for you so you could have different languages. Everybody will be able to understand you at any time. Rav Shaul said, did you receive the person of the Ruach? So yes, the evidence, speaking in tongues. But when you go up for prayer, it's not, oh, I need to, oh, I'm going to have to speak in tongues. And, and well, my prayer, how is that going to work? Or, oh, I, I want to go because I want to be able to speak in tongues. And everybody else speaks in tongues. And I don't speak in tongues. And when the rabbis say, use your prayer language, I'm the only person who's like, I don't have a prayer language. That's not the focus. The focus is longing for the person of the Ruach, the evidence is the speaking in tongues. So I'll give you my personal testimony. I grew up around believers when I was younger. I definitely accepted the Lord when I was, I was five. And my mom was, you know, in a congregation that was very spirit-filled. Um, so the raising of hands wasn't abnormal for me at all. Um, people crying. I remember being little and always just wiping my mom's tears away. And they definitely spoke in tongues. And, and I remember that because I remember going to sleep one night. And I was in the little room to the side. It's weird how I remember this. And I remember going to bed one night and I was still awake. And there I am in the room. And I'm going, do, 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 da, 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 ka, 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 ti, ti, ti. And my mom is like, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing what you guys do at the congregation. And then she started laughing. I mean, she was rolling. She's like, what? I said, I'm, I'm talking the way you guys talk. So I don't know how old I was, six, seven, maybe eight. But I knew that they were speaking in, in languages and I didn't have the gift, but I was imitating. I wasn't trying to mock, but I literally was just imitating what I had heard. So again, I was exposed to it. Coming to Beth Emanuel, I remember the day that um, I received prayer. It was Shavuot, and I had no idea that it was Shavuot. I knew nothing coming here at all, except the presence of God was so strong. And if anybody was around, how long have I been here? 10 years, 15 years, 33, whatever. I've been here a long time. And if you know me at all, my first how many years, what I just do? I just cried. I sat in the back, and I just wept away. So, I mean, there was holidays going on. I knew nothing at all. I remember, though, that they had said, you know, anybody want to come up for prayer, come up for prayer. I remember something like, you know, and if you want to receive, you just give us a tug and we'll pray for you. And I had no idea what they were talking about at all. But I went up for prayer. I went up for prayer and Rabbi Michael prayed for me. It was great and I was crying. And then I went and I sat down. I walked away. 
and I'm looking around, and next thing you know, I see Rabbi Michael praying over Roberta, and then I see Roberta into the chairs, and I'm like, dude, that guy just pushed her into the chairs. I'm like, something is really weird. I said, why did he just push her? I mean, she literally fell back into the chairs, and I'm like, I can't believe that dude just pushed her. I was new here, you know? So I was like, I stepped back for a second, and I'm like, you know, now I grew up in a congregation, so I thought I was, and I was like, because she, she fell backwards, and she was stunned. And then I'm looking around even more, and I'm like, something is going on here. These people are receiving something. And then I started crying. And my mom comes up to me, and she's like, did you receive prayer? And I'm nodding my head, and I'm crying. And she's like, that's awesome. But I'm crying this weeping cry. Because all I could think of, and I remember, was I already received prayer, and I did not receive whatever is going on here. No idea what was going on. Again, I had no idea that it was Shavuot, but I knew that when people were being prayed over, there was something powerful and something that they were getting that I missed out on, and I had thought that I missed out on it. And I'm crying and crying. And I remember Malcolm came over to me and he was like, do you want to go back up for prayer again? And all I could do was sob. And I'm like, please, yes, please. So they take me over. I think Rabbi Carol was free and I was standing right there. I remember Rabbi Carol praying for me. And I remember the scripture she said forever. She always, the scripture she quoted, which was God, because God knew where I was. And he said, I'm going to turn all of your mourning into great joy and rejoicing. And all of your sorrow into great dancing. And of course, I lost it. And then I remember she prayed for the infilling of the Ruach. And I remember at first, nothing happened. And again, I wasn't expecting anything to happen because I was so clueless. I I wasn't well-versed in anything. And I remember the second time she prayed, I was out. And I didn't even know you could fall because first time I saw somebody fall, I thought she was getting pushed. And I was out for the count. And it was a beautiful, glorious thing. And as far as I knew, I was like, that was awesome. My life was changed. And so I was like, ah, I've received the Ruach. I didn't speak in tongues at all. And nor did I know that I was supposed to. I didn't know. So I know this is a long testimony, but it drives home a point. I don't know when it was. A couple weeks later, maybe even a couple days later, there was um, like a, a worship and the speaker event at Madison Square Garden. And I went with a bunch of my believing friends. I also tagged along Evan, who did not speak to me the entire time and sat in the opposite train car. My husband. Love you. So we went there, and there was an awesome, uh, you know, speaker, and the worship started. And you know how when you're at Madison Square Garden, they dim the lights a little bit, and it's a little, uh, not theatrical, but it's, you know, it's dark and dim. And I just started worshiping like this, and I remember all of a sudden, like, it just seemed brighter. And I knew there was a light, but it was just brighter than, than the regular lights. And I had both my hands like this. And there goes my tully. I had both my hands up worshiping. And like this. And my hands are up. And all of a sudden, my lips started going crazy. So this is what I look like. You ready? I was like this. No exaggeration. And I remember like opening my eyes and looking down at my lips. 
Now, the good thing, as much as I really didn't know much, I was, I grew up with my mom, right? So I knew the people spoke in tongues. Uh, so then two and two are going together. I'm like, I wonder if that's it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'll never forget it because it, it was just doing its own thing. And I'm like, this is so weird and so cool. I, and I knew, though, that I had to put a voice to it, you know? So there it was, all silent. And then I was like, all right, let me just put a sound to it. And then before you knew it, I was like, like that's speaking in tongues so for me I received prayer and I'm, I think it was I don't even know a week later two weeks later there at that moment I actually received the infilling because of the evidence of speaking in tongues but the beauty part of it for me because my head goes crazy sometimes is that I was so naive that I didn't know that when I fell then that I was supposed to speak in tongues and there was no pressure and I didn't speak when I fell and when is it going to come and did I receive, did I not receive? I was just living in the presence of God and when it came, it came so naturally. So all of that to say the timing and how and who prays for you and when is it going to come, it's not really the focus. The focus is the person of the Ruach. When, when Gary was helping me prepare for this message, he said that he was a believer and he went up a couple of times to receive. And after the third time when he received, he walked out to his car and then started speaking in tongues. So again, the point of it is the evidence speaking in tongues. The time frame and all of that stuff that our brain can get all twisted with worrying about, it's, it's not up to us to, to focus on that. I didn't go before God and say, I want to speak in tongues. I need to speak in tongues. Everybody's saying they have to speak in tongues. Help me speak in tongues. I knew when everybody here was receiving something that there was something powerful and holy that they were getting, and I wanted it. So much so that I wept because I thought I missed out on my opportunity. And, and I don't say that to brag, but that's the heart. You see, Simon the sorcerer also knew that they received something. But he was looking at the evidence. I'll pay you so I can do that. So if we start thinking too much about, oh, what kind of power am I going to receive? Am I going to be able to lay my hands on, on the dead? Maybe they'll, they'll rise up, or maybe I could do this, and maybe I could do that, and I'll be able to speak in tongues, and maybe my tongue will be a different language, and I'll be able to speak Spanish, and things will go better at my job, and all these things. That's not the focus. The focus is on the person of the Ruach. And when you are infilled with the person of the Ruach, the evidence just comes naturally. It's not the evidence that needs to be our focus. It's the person of the Ruach that does. We get too caught up on outward signs. After all of that, I'm number one to get caught up on outward signs. So not this past Shavuot, the year before that, they had asked me to pray, you know, for people. And I was like, I want people to fall. It's all I want. I do. If you ask me, I just want to see people fall. Somehow, that means you were touched by God. If you fall in my book, you were touched by God. And I struggle with that because even the rabbis, when we're upstairs for praying, they're like, the outward sign is not up to you. Some people cry. Some people like nothing. Some people will laugh. Some people will rejoice. Some people will fall. Some people won't. And I'm like, I want them to fall. That's what I always say on the inside. 
And I'm guilty, and nobody else needs to admit it. I'll admit it for you. We're all guilty of wanting that outward sign, right? So when you go up for prayer, and you feel it, or you fall, or you go up to Rabbi Carol, and she does the, she did that. That's the power, right? And we do that. I don't want to go up to Rena. I want to go up to Rabbi Carol, because she does a, then I know that's the Ruach. So we're always looking for those things. And I remember I was struggling because you guys probably didn't catch it. But if you came up to me for prayer for Shavuot, nobody fell. (laughs) And I walked away. And I was beyond discouraged. Like, I was really struggling. And, And Evan came up to me. He's like, what are you looking for? Like a falling ministry? Is that all you want is people to fall? And I looked at him. And I know it's funny, but I looked at him and I'm like, yes. Somehow that, to me, the outward sign was my focus. Yes, if you fall, then, then that's, the, yes, that's all my focus is on people falling. And he's like, that's not the person of the Ruach. You're not looking for the person of the Ruach then. You're just focused on the outward sign. So if all you care about is who falls, who laughs, who cries, who doesn't, are you focused at all on the person of the Ruach? What if the person of the Ruach just needs to speak something softly into your heart? What if the person of the Ruach needs to convict you of something that you need to take care of before you could be filled with the power of the Ruach? But I don't focus on any of that. Even today, coming into this message, having all of that written down, we're sitting at breakfast, and I said, Ev, we're going to pray for people afterwards, and I really want people to fall. And he's like, Rena, I said, I know, and I, I know now because I said that, I guarantee you nobody's going to fall, but that, and he's, and it's the same thing. Why? Because, and for me, there's a little bit of an excitement, but when you focus on that, we miss the point. The power of the Ruach, I don't feel it, but he's moving right now. And when I pray over you later on and nothing happens, guess what? The power of the Ruach is moving. And when he infills you and you speak in tongues, he's moving. And whether that happens right here in front of me, or you're like Gary and you need a little private place and you go out to your car. See, it's not for me to say, you need to do it right here. Or you need to fall. See, for me, it's falling. But none of that, the outward sign, is so insignificant. It's about being transformed through the person of the Ruach who gives you the power in your life. So that's my encouragement to you. Don't be like me and come up and say, oh, now she talked about tongues and falling and all of this. No. The person of the Ruach can manifest in different ways for everybody. And how that takes place is not for me to decide or to dictate or to even focus on. No idea where I am in my notes. (laughs) Uh, evidence the second aspect of evidence that you see is not just the speaking in tongues it's in a transformed life you guys remember the life of Peter right Kepha he walked with Yeshua and what did he say to Yeshua I will never deny you I will die for you and he meant it I believe in his heart he knew Yeshua to be the Messiah and he had full intentions only to call down curses upon himself when some servant girl at the fire associated him with Yeshua. But in Acts chapter 2, 
when he received the infilling of the Ruach, Peter's life was transformed. Because he went on to profess and proclaim the good news of Yeshua in front of people that could have arrested him and had him killed. The evidence is not just in our prayer language. It's in a transformed life. And for me, the evidence, when I came here to Beth Emanuel, I sat here with a boyfriend. And I came and I came to, you know, accept the Lord or rededicate my heart. And things didn't change automatically for me. I was still in the fire department where everybody was drinking. And I was still associated with a sinful life that had its hold on me. So now I was struggling because I had the truth of Yeshua and the decision to follow him with a very sinful and ungodly life around me that I was very much active in. And it had a good hold on me. So here I was coming regularly, but then still going to the fire department and living my life. And I was, I was stuck. And I didn't know how to make those decisions in, on my own. I, I didn't. But after I received the Ruach and after I was immersed, things like that. Literally, like that. Sat down, had a conversation. I said, this relationship can't go on. And cut it off like that. Went to the fire department with the help of a, a godly friend and quit on the spot. Time to leave. And all of those things that had a hold on me, even when I was making the decision to accept Yeshua, started easily coming off. Why? Because I wasn't doing it in my own power anymore. I was filled with the power to say, I need to walk away from this, even though everybody's like, why are you leaving? You're the secretary here. And, you know, we, nope. I got to go different direction in my life. And it's the same thing. Your life will be radically changed the more that you walk with the power of the Ruach. I'm not talking about salvation. You guys understand the distinction? But there's a different level when you have the power of the Ruach to help you make those decisions and break off the shackles of sin in your life. You know, we have the example of the jar and how do you, how do you take all the air out of the jar, Right? How do you take all the sin out of your life? Everybody tries to say, oh, you know, suck it out and do this. No, but when you fill it, right, with the Ruach, then all of those things start falling out of your life. It was the same thing with Rav Shaul. What was Rav Shaul doing before he was here, anointing people with the Ruach? Anybody remember? Just try and kill people. You know, you know Yeshua? Oh, you're part of the way? Let's go. So, yeah, did he have a prayer language? But what was the most... Evidence that you see in his life. He went from trying to kill people to risking his own life to be killed just to proclaim the good news. The evidence is going to be in a transformed, powerful life through the infilling of the Ruach. Finally, my last point. The person of the Ruach operating in your life will make you effective for the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Shul went into the synagogues and for three months he spoke out boldly, engaging in dialogue and trying to persuade people about the kingdom of God. That in itself is effective. You want to know why? I don't even like to post scriptural things on Facebook, wondering what people's reactions are going to be, if I'm going to stir the pot a little bit. 
And here he was in a time frame where they just crucified Yeshua and he went out and boldly proclaimed in public the good news of Yeshua. Without a raise of hands, myself included, how many times can we say we publicly proclaim Yeshua on a daily basis? Definitely not me. That in itself is making him effective because the truth is going out. And you see, some people resisted and hardened their hearts, and some people didn't. The outward effect, not up to us. But what is up to us is proclaiming. So number one, he went out. Verse 9, some people began hardening themselves and refusing to listen. And when these started defaming the way before the whole synagogue, Shaul withdrew, took his Talmudim, and commenced in daily dialogues elsewhere. He didn't say, nobody's... What's the point? They're hardening their hearts. Nobody's listening. Let's pack it in. Nobody wants to hear this. I guess I'll just keep my mouth shut. Nope. He said, okay, I did my time here. You guys heard the truth. It's up to you to receive. Move on. And then for two years, he went and did the same thing. His whole life was about proclaiming the good news of who Yeshua was. The person of the Ruach operating in your life makes you effective in sharing and spreading the good news of Yeshua. On my own, intimidation, fear, power of the Ruach gives you that courage and that boldness to be able to share the good news in a time frame where if you even just say traditional marriage, you're a bigot. But through the power of the Ruach... We should be able to stand up and say, not only do we support this, but God loves you. He sent his son to die for your sins. There's a whole new way of life for you. But that takes place when we're operating with the power of the Ruach and not in our own flesh. Because our own flesh is going to say, be careful, they're going to get mad at you. He fills us with the power to make witnesses. And he allows us to keep going despite the consequences. Acts chapter 14, Rav Shaul was stoned. Acts chapter 16, he was imprisoned. Those two things, I would have called it a day. Did my deed, God? Acts chapter 19, what is he doing? Proclaiming the good news. So your coworker gets mad, your family members roll your eyes. Work tells you you can't talk about stuff. Facebook gets a little nasty with you. Do we stop and silence ourselves? Or do we keep going to proclaim the good news? And why was Rav Shaul able to do that? Through the power of the Ruach. Doing this message, I realized again how easy it is to live like Peter. I love you, God. I'll serve you, God. You have my heart, God. You have everything. Only to day in and day out fail. Conversations with my coworkers, I keep my mouth shut. Conversations with my family members, I keep my mouth shut. Situations arise, I don't pray, I vent. Stuff happens. I don't pray, I get angry. My life, good intentions, 
I want to serve you, God. You have my heart. But the evidence, just like Peter. When push comes to shove, I fall short. And why? Because it's so easy to always try and do it on our own. And then to get frustrated and then to give up. But how different would it be if every day I live my life the way I am this moment right now? See, before I came up here, I prayed. And what I say, God, it can't be me preaching because I have nothing that I offer. So, Ruach, would you please somehow give me the words, your words, to reach these people? And hopefully, I believe he has. But what if I did that before I went to work? You know, God, when I go to work, I have nothing to offer these people. I don't even know what to say. But Ruach, if you can give me a situation and words to speak, maybe it will touch somebody today. But I don't do that. I go to work and I'm like, oh, these people are so cranky. Why can't they just be happy that they have a job? And they're so nasty. And, oh, that was a funny joke. And am I willing to embrace the Ruach daily? Not just concern myself with when I fell or people falling, but am I willing to have his power operate in my life daily so that I can be effective in the world around me? Even changing one person. We also see the effectiveness of the power of the Ruach in verses 11 and 12. God did extraordinary miracles through Shaul. For instance, handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were brought to sick people. And they would recover from their ailments and the evil spirits would leave them. The truth is signs and wonders and miracles will accompany those who are filled with the power of the Ruach. And I know why that Got only one amen somewhere. Because the enemy is a liar. And I'll be transparent with you one last time here. I listen to that enemy's voice way too much. And not only do I hear it, but oftentimes I entertain it. And to be honest with you, sometimes I believe it. Because you know what the enemy does? He says, oh, Rena, signs, wonders, and miracles. Do you remember who died this year, Rena? Didn't you guys pray for them? That wasn't a sign or a wonder or a miracle or a healing. And how long have you guys been praying? And how many signs and wonders and miracles have you seen? And then I say, oh, yeah, well. Uh, maybe I could think of one, no? Oh, yeah, Chris's feet. That was one. Well, what about so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? And I sit and I listen and I say, I don't know. And I say, yeah, you're right. And then I agree with the enemy. You know what happens when you agree with the enemy? You go against the truth of God. 
And then you have no expectations for what's going to take place. No hope, no faith, no belief. And then what's the point of anything? Right? If one part of God's word is not true, then isn't everything? And isn't that exactly what the enemy wants? Question his healing. Question his miracles. Next thing you know, you start questioning him. Anybody been there? It's okay. It'll be just me. I don't mind. Right? Well, God, if you said this and it didn't come to pass, then what about that? And so I believe it. And then I struggle and get angry, and then I become completely ineffective because I'm not about to go and lay my hands on somebody because if I don't believe it, then I don't believe it'll happen. And so the enemy works overtime. And let me tell you, lately here, I think he's working like quadruple time. Why? Because this particular place, I believe, is meant to be a place where people receive healing. So the more you hear, it's never going to happen, and we've been praying for so long, and -and so-and-so didn't get their healing, and four people died in the past year, and all those things, you know what you need to say? In the name of Yeshua, shut your mouth. God is God, and his word is true. He says in his words, greater things will we do. But it won't happen if you and me together partner up with the enemy. It just can't. Not that God doesn't want it to happen. And not that he can't make it happen. But if he's going to flow through us, right? How does he work? He works through us. Why? I don't know. But he does. And it's so awesome when he does. But he can't work through me if I'm sitting here chit-chatting with the enemy. I have to make that choice to say, you know what? His word is true. His word is true. In fact, the last time I think that I preached, do you guys remember? I said, oh, I'm having car problems and I'm supposed to move out of my house and I have no money. Do you remember that? You remember me preaching that? And I said, there's going to come a time that I'm going to be able to stand up here and say, we're moving. Well, guess what? I moved and I have a brand new car that I paid $1 for. But when all that was happening, do you know what I was thinking? Thanks a lot, God. Not really sure how I'm going to get a car now, right? But by faith, when we're able to believe in faith, he makes a way when there's no way. No way. An awesome car for a buck. Flabbergasted. I still walk into my place. I think we've been there three months now. I walk in and I'm like, I'm so happy. I cannot believe I'm here. Can't believe it. God does things. He's true to his word. He provides for us. He's a miracle working God. He's a healing God. Right, Ricardo? And no matter what the enemy says, this is, I know I can go on. The the way that the enemy works is he twists it so that it's kind of true, right? If he told you a flat out lie, it wouldn't work. Oh, Rena's name is Rebecca. No, it's not. It's Rena. Oh, this, but he comes and says, is it spelled R-I-N-A or R-I-N-N-A-H, like Facebook, right? So he twists it. Well, is God really a healer? Because how did he do it with Yeshua? He used scripture itself. So he comes in a deceptive way. But the truth is, miracles, signs, and wonders will follow those filled with the power of the Ruach. 
You could take a look at the list. I'm not going to show it. But all of this was just in the book of Acts. Peter heals a lame man. The apostles perform many wonders. There's a communication of the Holy Spirit. Peter heals um, Ananias of palsy. They were delivered out of prison by an angel. Heals the cripple. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on. And that's the desire that God has for us. Evans de Vartor was talking about a dark world, right? And how much darker it's getting. What did it say in, in the Haftarah? Wake up. Awake. See what you are called to be. You're not called to be the regular, ordinary human that just goes about life day in and day out. You were called to be superhuman. You were called to operate in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh that enables you to be effective around you. Wake up. Don't be discouraged by the lies of the enemy or the evidence of the enemy and receive the Ruachs that you can go out and effectively change the world around you. That's all we are, is regular, everyday, normal, ordinary people. But we are called to much more. A superhuman life through the power of the Ruach. I'll give you one last thing to smile about. Randy, you can go to my plain old Evan picture. That's it. Nothing special about him. I mean, to me... Just an ordinary, everyday, Joe Schmo guy. That's all I am. Just a regular, everyday person. Just like everybody else here. But when we're filled with the power of the Ruach, right? We become mighty men and mighty women of God. Evan likes to call himself Mighty Mensch. <laughs> Jeremiah thinks Mighty Mensch is a real superhero. When he goes to school, all the time he points, he goes, that one's Mighty Mensch. I'm like, I think that's Thor. No, it's Mighty Mensch. Okay. <laughs> it's a great laugh, but I wanted to leave you guys with the imagery because that is exactly how we are called to be spiritually, Right? Without the Ruach, nothing. Just everyday ordinary. You're going to go in your day and it's going to be a struggle. You're going to be up and down and failing all the time. But when you have the power of the Ruach inside of you, this everyday ordinary person somehow becomes superhuman. That you're able to do what you weren't able to do beforehand. That you're able to proclaim the truth without fear and with a boldness like you weren't able to do beforehand. That you're able to stand up for the truth and the morals and the standards of God without fear of repercussion. And you weren't able to do it beforehand. That you're able to lay your hands on somebody who is sick with the hope that they're going to recover. And you weren't able to do it beforehand. That you're able to be a bold witness for Yeshua no matter where you are. And you weren't able to do it beforehand because of the power of the Ruach HaKodesh living inside of you. My preaching is done. <laughs> God is awesome. So remember, the Ruach is essential. You understand it's not about salvation, but to live an, an effective, powerful life, he's essential. 
Yeshua says it himself, wait, you have to receive the power. Can't do this on your own. You need the person of the Ruach. He is essential in your walk. He must be embraced. He's not just going to come and say, you must walk with me. You have to say, will you come and walk with me? He must be embraced. The evidence will be speaking in tongues and will be through a transformed life. And as a result, it will be an effective life that we live. We're going to have um, some prayer. Gary and Evan and Chris and Adeline only, if you're free, you guys can come up. Jim, there's a ministry CD that you can start. I'll give you guys one last reminder before I let you guys come up for prayer. Whether you want to be uh, filled with more of the Ruach or receive the Ruach for the first time. The exciting part is the rabbis aren't here. So you guys can't say, oh, I need to go to Rabbi Carol. Because she does the whew, Right? And the truth is, the power of the Ruach is the same inside all of us. So if you're stuck with me and don't fall, or you go to Evan and you do fall, there's no difference. It's the power of the Ruach inside of your life. So I encourage you guys, doesn't matter where you're at, we're going to come up. It's going to be a simple prayer. God, would you feel this person right now with the power of the Ruach? Lord, will you fill this person more with the power of the rock so that they embrace you, they have the evidence in your life, in their life, and that they can be effective for you? Plain and simple. No fancy words. doesn't matter who prays over you, but what matters is the power of the rock inside of your life. Amen? So we'll have a little bit of ministry time. I will officially dismiss after we, we do some prayer. If any of you guys do need to excuse yourselves, feel free to go. Um, we'll just keep the chatting outside at the foyer. Should be.